I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. It's the Ball with the Beast podcast back for another week presented by our good friends at White Insurance Services. Paulie, Tennessee picks up a big win, uh, the first conference win of the year last week against South Carolina. Your overall thoughts about Tennessee's 41-20 victory. Man, what, what a good win I thought it was for, for the program. Obviously, after last year, kind of derailing the season and Hendon Hooker getting injured. It, it was a program win. The atmosphere looked awesome. Tennessee, I mean, I, I'd be interested to see what other programs do, but they're, I don't know what the right word is, the experience, the presentation that they have built around dark mode and the night game. I mean, it's cool. I, I don't know how you can't love the atmosphere that's uh, been generated. So a lot of, a lot of credit obviously to Danny White and and their team over there for making it a, um, uh, just an unbelievable atmosphere on the Saturday nights that they get to do that. Um, from, from an in-game perspective, uh, you know, I, I loved how Tennessee leaned on the ground game. Um, they didn't ask Joe Milton to, to do too much to carry the team. Um, and, and Brent, I think you may have talked about this in your Sunday night podcast, the, the segment they did about Milton's happy feet and uh, him not having happy feet, him staying calm and in the pocket and how much more accurate he was doing that. Uh, so a big fan of that. And then just, um, you know, we talk about a lot in the SEC. It's a line of scrimmage league and, and Tennessee just totally dominated both lines of scrimmage. Uh, so a credit you would assume to Cade Mays and him, and him being back. And um, although he looked rather winded at times, but uh, I thought he did a, a fantastic job of keeping the tempo up front. Uh, you know, it's, it's those little things that we probably don't um, catch as much, but just him being the first guy over the ball all the time, whether it's out of the huddle, out of a timeout, he's just continuing to, to, to push the pace and then defensively, um, I know we talked a little bit earlier in the year about James Pierce, uh, but man, that guy's going to be a stud, uh, just a sophomore uh, as he continues to to hone in his game and gets bigger. Uh, he's going to be a stud. And then, um, yeah, uh, I, I thought um, just an overall great performance on the line of scrimmage, I thought. Hover? Yeah, I mean, we, we've talked about it. I mean, and I, I echo what he said. I mean, it's a line of scrimmage deal, and um, the crowd was fantastic. Their presentation is great. I think the question moving forward, AP, when you look at this team is um, – and I don't think anything about Saturday night was fool's gold, so I don't want to imply that. But they are going to play, you know, much better defensive fronts coming down the pike, starting with A&M. So where is Cooper in, in two more weeks – um, when when he's further healthy, what do they do if Andre Curick when he gets back and JJ Crawford's healthy? Are they going to try to rotate, or do they feel like this is their five and, and this is the best way for them to play is to play with these five offensive linemen that that we saw? So um, I, I think there's a lot of things to build on, and there's some some really interesting decisions to make. You know, kind of moving forward there, and then defensively on that defensive line. You know, you wish you could take a mulligan in college football because I, I think everybody on that defensive side of the ball, starting with that defensive front, would like to have a mulligan for that trip to Gainesville because that one's going to hurt for the rest of the year. 
but you got to learn from it and grow from it. And I, and I think that growth showed up uh, on Saturday night. Not just and listen, I know South Carolina's offensive front's not very good, but but the way that they played, the intensity, um, you had a real challenge to keep Rattler in the pocket. They played very disciplined for four quarters of football up front, which I think is a big step in the right direction for them. Yeah, I think the bye week comes at a phenomenal time. Not only do you know you have time to kind of figure out some things and try to be creative with different people uh, in the replacing Brew McCoy, it gives you know uh, you know Chaz Nimrod and Caleb Webb two weeks to kind of okay, we know we're going to get a lot more run than we thought we were getting two weeks ago, and so they've got to kind of come to terms with that. They've got to continue to build, and then for Cooper, as Hub said, you know. I think that it's big from a standpoint of like, okay, you knocked the rust off. Now you got two more weeks to kind of continue to heal from the surgery you you know underwent seven eight weeks ago, and two weeks to get in better shape because as Paul said, he was winded. Now he gutted through it. He played every snap that he really played. I mean, he didn't play the last four, but they were up twenty one. There was no point to put him back out there. But I mean, every meaningful snap that was in the football game, he was in on, and that says a lot about Cooper to gut through it, considering he had not played and not been really hit whatsoever, uh, you know, in, in almost two months. So uh, really impressive performance by him. Tennessee off this week. They'll return home next week when they take on Texas A&M, an A&M team that plays Alabama. We'll talk about that game coming up, but we'll start our trip around the SEC. Real with, quick, AP, hold on. Before we do that, what's what's Tyler Barron got to do to get a holding call from an offensive <laughs> lineman? I, that was – I mean, we talk about the poor officiating in the SEC sure. – but what in the – I mean, how I, – did, did he get one holding call Saturday night? I didn't remember it. I don't think so. And, and listen, again, I understand, and I, I don't I don't want to be that, you know, that guy that's always ripping on officials. But James Pierce got held on the, on the first scramble Spencer Rattler had. They tackled Pierce. Roman Harrison had one where they pulled his jersey away from the back of his shoulder pads. And, and Tyler Barron was held all night long. All night long. I, I think I think Tyler is playing, and I'm glad you brought him up, Paul, because you know his stat line from Saturday. Somebody looks at that and go, "Ah, he didn't play very well." Tyler Barron played really, oh, really good football Saturday. He's in the backfield every other yeah, play. He's had a great five game start to this year. AP talks about it all the time contract year. He's healthy. Yeah. He's completely bought in right now. AP. Uh, I, I think I think he and Rodney Garner finally have kind of figured each other out a little bit, um, and, and it shows. Ty, Tyler Tyler's all in for helping this defensive line go. Uh, I love the way he's playing right now, and maybe at some point he'll get the benefit of a call and, and get a call in his favor. I mean, the poor guy's returned two fumbles for touchdowns. They've been called back in his career on yeah. some bizarre call from the officials, and then he was held about – 15, 20 times it felt like Saturday night in that win over South Carolina. I, I said that in Ball Club Confidential. I, you know, I root for certain kids to do certain things. I root for him to get a touchdown because he's had two rips <laughs> from him. And I mean, as a defensive lineman, to get that, I mean, you go back, I mean, like just you look at some of the defensive scores over the years. Um, you know, uh, you go back to, to Wes's last game in Orange and he has that walk off, oh. you know, the walk off score. I mean, you know, for Tyler, I think that'd be fantastic if he could find a way to get in the end zone because he has kind of had two ripped away from him in weird, weird fashion. All right, now let's take our trip around the SEC. There we go. We got Ole Miss and Arkansas. Arkansas has lost three games in a row to BYU, LSU, and A&M. They got Ole Miss this week and then Alabama next week. They could be in the midst of a five-game losing streak. To me, this is the gettable one of the two, but you're at 
Ole Miss. Yeah, get, gettable is um, that, that's that's a nice term I think this week, man. If and, and Ole Miss is a little bit of a roller coaster too. You know, the, the game at Alabama they didn't look like anything like they looked against LSU, or at least in, in my opinion, they didn't. Uh, Ole Miss, man, if they can get the offense rolling, if they can go up tempo um, with, with Dart playing the way he can play. Um, you know, obviously we know about Quinshawn Judkins and, and man, some of the receivers stepped up against LSU as well. Um, I, I don't know if you guys got, I know that was going on at the same time as the Tennessee game, but that finish was just, that fourth quarter was wild. It was a crazy game. Um, so, so fun to, to watch. And man, Sam Pittman's, uh, how do I, how do you say this the right way? KJ Jefferson has done a lot for that program, but we're seeing a ceiling with KJ Jefferson, in, in my opinion. This is just kind of who he is. I don't know that he can go out and beat top 25 teams consistently. Can he rip off a couple of big runs? Yes. But can he consistently go down the field, create drives against defenses that are good? Um, I don't know that we can see that. Now, Ole Miss doesn't have a great defense. <laughs> so they can score some points, but I, I think Ole Miss is just really explosive right now. And, and Lane Kiffin's going to draw up plays. And this team should be motivated um, at home again. And, and really still in the hunt for the West, giving, given what I think can go on this year. Yeah, here's the thing about Arkansas that stands out to me. By the way, my, my shirt looks like a Zoolander shirt here. I'm not sure what's going on with, with all the spiral looks on my camera. Sorry about that. Um, but here's the thing that jumps out to me about Arkansas that I don't think anybody talked about, and that was the loss of Barry Odom in the offseason hmm. to, to go to UNLV as their head coach. Not that UNLV is suddenly world beaters because Barry Odom's there as a head coach, but I think it's pretty obvious how much Arkansas misses him on the defensive side of the ball. Um, he overachieved as their defensive coordinator with guys. Um, I, I thought that, that they weren't as talented defensively, Paul, but they made a bunch of plays defensively to keep them in games. I think they're missing him dramatically, which means they're in more shootouts than they want to be in, involved in. And I'm not sure how many shootout games K.J. Jefferson's going to win for you um, because of his play and how much help that he has around him. So when you can't play great defense, it's hard to play that Sam Pittman bully ball that he wants to play because they feel like they're playing catch-up. I mean, that game got away from them in the first half in Jerry's world, AP, and, and you just they're like, okay, it's over because Arkansas can't score enough to keep up. And they just don't need to be in shootout type games, I don't think, and, and be very successful in doing so. Well, you know, they not only you know changed out defensive coordinators, they also changed out offensive coordinators, and and that was the big, uh, you know, when when Sam Pittman got the job, everybody praised him for bringing in Barry Odom, for bringing in Kendall Bryles, and and they had these top shop top shelf coordinators, and all of a sudden you start switching them out, and all of a sudden it gets a little more dicey, right? Um, this is an Arkansas team though that that is desperate. They're backed into a corner a little bit. You lose this one, and you know most people will chalk up the Alabama game as a loss. I mean, that's five in a row. You're probably not going to a bowl. I think this is a huge game for Arkansas, and I think they'll they'll come out swinging and give Ole Miss everything they've got in this game. I really think that this is going to be a, a fantastic football game, and it's easy to have that letdown after the emotional win last week against LSU. Because, I mean, that was back and forth. And Paul's right, that was hugely entertaining. Um, but that was an emotionally draining game as well. Because you, every time LSU would, would, would counterpunch, you had to find the, the kind of, you know, 
juice yourself to, to punch back and, and Ole Miss was able to. So, you know, for me, Paul, I, I think that this is going to be really, really close. Uh, and, and these two teams have played some entertaining games in this series. Yeah, they absolutely yeah. have. AP's drinking that Sam Pittman Kool-Aid this morning. <laughs> I, it's not even that. I just think that, again, backed into a corner. Like, I mean, it, it, to me, like they almost lay down if they don't win this one in next week. Five in a row is deflating for anybody. Yeah. It had in- I'll agree with you. I, I, when I think of Arkansas with Pittman over the last – couple of years that they probably play their best when they, when the chips are against them and maybe I'm misremembering, but I feel like some of their bigger wins have come against, you know, obviously better teams and, in times when uh, they've been maybe counted out is, is the right idea. So there, I think there's probably some merit to that AP. I think that's fair. Flip it over to the Eastern side of the conference and you've got Kentucky undefeated. Now they've not played anybody, but uh, you know, they do have a nice one over Florida, but I mean, what is Florida outside of the fact they beat Tennessee? Um, you know, they go to Georgia, you know, to me, it could be an interesting matchup. Georgia has dominated Kentucky. I think since Kirby smart has taken over, I think Kentucky's averaging like 12 points a game against, against uh, Georgia. That can't happen Saturday if, if you know, Kentucky's going to get a win, in my opinion. I think Kentucky's got to get to at least 20, if not more than that. Well, I mean, also, Georgia hasn't looked great. I mean, it, yeah, without Brock Bowers, Georgia loses to Auburn last week. Um, I mean, Brock Bowers looked – I mean, he, he looked unbelievable. What, what a special player he is. Um, and, and, you know, Kentucky's calling card under Stoops is their, is their defense. And – uh you know, last week against Auburn, I, I don't, you know, they didn't look great on the ground. And um, it really took Brock Bowers in the passing game to, to get them to win over Auburn. So I'm not counting Kentucky out. Um, I don't think they're obviously special on offense either. But, man, the Davis kid, what a what a great game he had against Florida. Um, so if they can run the ball with Davis, which I think is harder, obviously, against Georgia than it is against Florida. Um, but I, I think Kentucky may be in this game. Um, later than than I would have guessed a couple weeks ago. Um, you know, if you can control the, the ground game and you can shorten the game, and I, I don't know that Georgia is as explosive. I, I, I'm, I'm, I feel like this is going to be a little bit closer than I would have guessed a, a, a few weeks ago uh, because I just don't think that Georgia has found that next gear offensively. Um, I, I think last year, especially maybe not the year before, but last year, especially they had a different gear offensively where they had enough playmakers to go and and push the lead from what maybe was a 10, 13 point game to a 24, 30 point game in, in, in five, 10 minutes. I, I don't know that I've seen that this year. Um, obviously, we didn't see that last week. So I don't want to I don't want to chalk this up as, as a big you know Georgia win or anything. I, I think this has the potential to be a. a, a a closer game, the way Kentucky plays, and maybe the way that Georgia hasn't found its optimum um, ability on offense. Look, at some point here, Georgia is going to have to turn Carson Beck loose for four quarters. Okay, and, and maybe this is the the maybe this is the loss of Munkin standing up to Kirby Smart saying, "Hey, we got to do this." But but their play calling with Stetson Bennett and that team last year was certainly more aggressive. Yeah. Their play calling doesn't get aggressive until they get into trouble. I mean, you, you look at the first half against South Carolina. I think Beck threw for 90-something yards and, and like 12 or 13 completions. I mean, it was literally just 
little dink and dunk four or five yard deals. He comes out in the second half. He completes like 85% of his throws. They go vertical. He throws for over 200 yards and they win the football game. When they had to have a play and they had to have a drive against Auburn, what are they doing? They're throwing the football. At some point, they have to determine where their identity is to me offensively, AP. And, and that is, you got to put more on Carson back. If he's your guy, he's played enough football now that you don't just turn, you don't just let him start turning it loose and getting aggressive when you're behind two scores in the second half against South Carolina or when you're needing a final drive to win a game. I mean, they've got to be more aggressive on offense. Um, otherwise, they're going to be in a bunch of close games with a bunch of people um, just because they're going to let people hang around. I, I'm, I'm going to be curious to see how aggressive they, they play offensively this week because I think for them to be at their best late in the year, they're going to have to really cut it loose on the offensive side of the ball. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you'll hear us in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not uh, as simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Kirby, naturally conservative. And then Lobo, I think, is not super innovative. And when you put those two together... I think it, it, it kind of spells what Hubs is talking about, you know, which okay. is why Georgia fans got a lot of angst, which is why they didn't like to hire. But at the same time, they're like, he's won back-to-back national titles. He has put us in a position uh, for in, in, in three title games since he's since he arrived um, in, in 2016. I mean, the guy really can do no wrong down there um, outside of getting Roscoe and, and Enos under control, um, you know. But at the same time, like, it, you're, you're only as good as your last – last group and right now this group is undefeated ranked number one still but it does not look like the same georgia team even defensively they're good i would almost make them great but they're not what they've been they were ridiculous the last we've talked obviously a lot about the defensive side losing to the draft but they've lost good offensive players to the draft and to the portal i mean mitchell is at texas burton is at bama i mean they've lost some good player i mean they've lost some good players over the last couple years and it's not just replacing Stetson Bennett, but you're replacing a lot of skill guys. Um, you know, obviously we know what happened with their offensive line in the off season. Um, so it, it's not, um, it, it's not just rinse and repeat with this crew that's out there. This is a definitely a different team than the one we've seen the last two years. Yeah. Across and, the board. yeah and I'm going to tell you something. If Hugh freeze doesn't butcher the end of the first half and leave points on the field, what does that game look like? I mean, listen, Third and one, you run it up the middle in the line of scrimmage. You don't make a first down. You come back and go for it on fourth and one. You better have some creativity there. Don't run the same play up in the A-gap and think you're going to move those guys up front. He left three points right there before the half. He could have taken the field goal and and had a lead going into half and a little more momentum. 
But if you're going to go for it, you gotta you gotta have a creativity play in in one of those two snaps, right? Like South Carolina did the same thing against Tennessee in, in that that series where they second and two they ran up the middle, third and one they ran up the middle, fourth and short they ran a quarterback sneak, and Tennessee stuffed it all three times. Like do something innovative and creative there, Hugh Freeze. I mean, you're playing with house money. You're a year yeah. one. You're not supposed to win. Pull out a bag of trick right there, or, or take the points and get the lead. That that was really. I thought a, a really pivotal point in that game where Auburn could have really helped themselves with some more with a, with a better set of downs there right before the end of the half. Tennessee's next opponent is Texas A&M. That will be next weekend. But this weekend, A&M hosts Alabama in what is likely the, the marquee matchup of the weekend in the conference. Alabama, the last time they took, tri- took a trip to Texas A&M, they lost – um, you know, could this be two in a row uh, as far as road losses to Texas A&M in College Station? What say you, Brent Hubs? Oh, we're not picking this one, right? No, 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 no. Not yet. Not yet. yet. Okay, I want to make sure I don't mess this thing up. Don't get, don't uh, get the slap on the wrist from AP now. <laughs> AP's gonna go. No pick for you. Uh, <laughs> no, no, I set you up poorly. That was my mistake. <laughs> so, uh, you know, I think the thing about this this game is the it, we talk about line of scrimmage. Which A&M defensive front's going to show up? Is it the one that showed up at Miami, who was a no-show because we all talked about them that week? Here's A&M, big bad SEC, going to show themselves. and I mean, no-showed. But then you go back and look at, at what they did last week, and you go, hey, that front's really good. And they can be really, really good in their defensive front. My question is, do they show? I think they will, which will make it really hard for Alabama to score. On the flip side, Max Johnson, how are you going to handle an Alabama defense? That feels like they're getting better, Paul. Yeah, I agree with that. You know, I I, I think I think it's what you said first, Brent, The which A&M shows up on defense. Because I don't know that Milrose is just not special. He's going to – he'll give you a turnover too. Now Max Johnson and, and the A&M offense have to take advantage of that. But – you know, you, you've got the Cooper kid on the edge for AM that I, I think can be really good. We, we know about what they have on the interior of that defensive line. If they can put the ball in Milroy's hand and make him make plays, just like we saw against Texas, Texas forced the ball to be in Milroy's hand, um, then, then I think he has a, a the opportunity to lose that game for him. So that, that's obviously not a positive spin on it, but I think that's who Alabama is at this point. Um, I don't think they have enough talent to just hand it off to their running backs 40 times and, and know that they're going to score 30 points. So um, I, I think this is a battle of average quarterbacks with above average defenses um, at AM, which is a great environment. Um, so, yeah, I'll be really interested to see who shows up on that defensive side of the ball for AM, AP. I agree that with Paul's synopsis, the synopsis of this game. Uh, you know, I, I, at some point, you know, well, I think what we're learning is Mississippi State's just not very good. Yeah, I mean, agreed. Uh, you know, and and so you know Alabama only throwing twelve passes last week. You know, I mean that's what is this nineteen sixty four? I mean, like, I mean, like <laughs> you just don't. I mean, like, but but that's where they're at offensively. They have no confidence. Why did Bearden only throw two passes last week against Maryville in the high school? Oh. Match? Because is that, is that personal AP right there? God, throwing Maryville under the bus. Come on, AP. <laughs> hey, listen, Paulie. You're, you're, Wyatt Insurance Services, they've already stepped up their game. They got Hubs to do his sound effects package a second ago. I mean, 
you know, we're going to we're gonna have to pay a little bit more money if I'm not going to slide in a marital loss. Right now. Um, so, so my point is, though, I think Paul hits the nail on the head. Like, which quarterback is most effective through the air? I would tell you it's probably going to be Max Johnson because he's more of a passer. But, you know, I think a lot of it depends on how, you know, A&M plays Alabama. I would play man because I just don't think any of those those Alabama receivers strike fear in you. And, and, and just load up and, and use everything you have to kind of shut down that Alabama rushing attack, which includes Milrow. I mean, Milrow is a yeah. is a load, you know. I mean, you know, he's almost like a, a, an extra running back back there, and he is special with the ball in his hands, but he's not super special throwing the ball. Well, my and, but my question there would be, do you think you can handle their run game or control their run game with your with your base front, with your with your your with your quote elite defensive line and linebackers, and then all of a sudden you're making you're making Milrow read the football field and you're, I mean, you're baiting him into some throws for interceptions. Whereas, you know, man coverage, you can jump ball, pass interferences and all those things. Can you play defense in the back end where he's got to read the field, hold the football a little longer and make more skilled throws? Can Texas A&M get away with that? I, that that'll be a, a interesting, you know, inside the game matchup to watch on, on kind of how they play that. Here's my question to both of you guys. Tennessee fans, are you pulling for A&M or are you pulling for Alabama here? Which helps you the most with A&M coming to town next week and then obviously Alabama on the schedule? Are you Do you like to go to Tuscaloosa with Alabama and a couple of losses, feeling like maybe they're kind of out of it all? Or do you want A&M coming in licking their wounds or do you want them coming in riding high? If you're a Tennessee fan and you're watching this game, what who you both can't lose, so that can't be your answer. Who are you pulling for? <laughs> Well, the diehards are going to say they want Alabama to lose. Um, I would say you want Alabama to win some ugly game like 20 to 17, right? Like A&M comes in with a loss. Um, Bama's deficiencies at quarterback remain because they're only going to make a move if they lose several in a row. And I don't see them losing to Arkansas next week. So I would tell you that if you're a Tennessee fan, you probably want Alabama. Because, I mean, Alabama's going to get jazzed up for the third Saturday in October because of last year. Same reason Tennessee got jazzed up for South Carolina last week. So, I mean, I would tell you that Alabama's going to be pumped no matter what, how many losses they have going into that game. Uh, if I, it's I, me, I would rather have A&M win, just riding high. Uh, they're probably going to be a really physical game while you get a bye week here. Um, and, you know, I, I just – I wonder what happens because I don't think we've seen it. What happens if Alabama does have two losses? What what happens when things start snowballing for Alabama? I, that's a mystery, man. They, they, Nick's since his first year hasn't really had to deal with that to have two losses the second or the first week of October. So I, I find that really intriguing. Uh, that storyline of, of of how does he manage that if if that ends up happening. Um, uh, I, I wanted to mention this earlier. I, I do think one of the other differential uh, differentiators in this is the um, Smith and the Stewart kid at receiver for AM. I think both of those guys are good players that I don't know that Alabama has talent like that or that we've seen on offense. So I, I, I watch out for both of those guys making a play late for, for AM. You mean the Stewart kid whose entire family, including his sister and his mom and dad, all went to Tennessee? <laughs> oh, oh. Uh, you know, it happened. Got a Pruitt recruit or a Hypel guy? I think that was a Pruitt recruit. Yes, um, that was. Hey, Pruitt we recruit. all experienced plenty of those <laughs> Tennessee legacy kids that just. But that was the book. That, yeah, I mean that, that that stuff happens. I mean it does. It it happens everywhere. Um, all right, Paulie. 
fall, you get a little bit colder weather, you get the leaves start changing, coming off the trees. What can everybody learn at Wyatt Insurance Services? Yeah, you know, um, I know we've talked a lot about employee benefits recently, so I want to switch it up to our commercial insurance services. If you're a business owner, uh, we, we do things differently with how we manage our clients' risk how we approach their accounts. And it's not just, hey, can we provide you with the most affordable insurance? It's absolutely about what kind of coverages does your company need? Um, the service that we're able to provide with COIs and quick turnarounds on things. And then uh, just digging a little bit deeper and, and making sure that you're taken care of from a total risk management um, process. So it's not just the insurance that takes care of that, but but you know how you deal with contracts, um, we look at data to tell us uh, how likely you are to have certain type of risk and what we can do to mitigate that. So, um, like I said, always feel free to call us 865-862-3997 or email me, Paul at Wyatt Insurance. We'd love to sit down and have a consultation, get to know you and your business more and see how we can help. And, and we really love working with companies that aspire to be best in class because that's really the companies that we help the most. Those that want to improve, want to get better, um, create a better culture for their employees. So, that's a little bit more about us. Give Paul a call today. That is 865-862-3997. And what we'll call Paul right now is the leader of the pick segment because Arkansas lost last week and A&M won last week. Paul is one game out in front after the three-way tie. It was a short-lived three-way tie. Um, now Paul, like after the week one, is back out in front. Leaderboard, baby. Yeah, I know. It's okay. We'll catch you before the end of the year. All right. More impressive is the uh, is the records. We're doing great well. Um, <laughs> but we're getting to a tough part of the schedule now where you're going to start picking tougher games. And that starts this week. Now let's take a look at the picks. And, well, I am out on a limb with Arkansas once again. Ooh, AP. Okay. Polly took A&M. You know, at home, baby. At Max home, Johnson. be in first place if he runs the table. Yeah, be, I don't yeah. feel I don't feel great about the Alabama A and M pick, particularly after we just broke down that game a little bit. It it, it feels like that's a, that one's going to be really hard to A and M's got a great shot at winning this football game. I think if their defensive front shows up and, and plays well, um, it's just what are they going to get out of Max Johnson? Can can Alabama create easy points for themselves on, on the defensive side of the ball? I, I think this Kentucky Georgia game is a Georgia win because Kentucky can't throw it well enough, but I just think it's ugly. I, I don't think anybody's going to be walking out of Sanford Stadium going, all right, you know what I mean? I think everybody's just going to be going, yeah, okay. <laughs> this is sort of who we are, right? I mean, is this what it's going to be? All of them are going to be stressful in the second half uh, unless Georgia opens up their offense. I, I, I totally agree, Brent. I thought – I don't know how long I thought, but I at least thought about taking Kentucky just given – who Georgia is right now or who we've seen them to be. Um, no consideration for Vandy at Florida. Sorry, Vandy. Um, you know, I think Mizzou is not the real deal. I think they get exposed some this week, uh, even though, I, you know, obviously a really good passing game. I think it, they just step up level of competition. Um, yeah, I, I, you know, I just – I'm confident in that A&M pick. I, I just think this – I don't think this is the same Alabama team that we've seen over the last decade. I think this is a new new group and somewhat the same at Georgia. I don't think this is the same Georgia team. I think they slip up somewhere in the regular season. Um, will it be against the Vols later this year? We'll see. Uh, but I, I just – I think the 
I think that there's a lot more teams closer to the middle than than at the top, like we've seen the last few years. Oh, I I firmly believe that that Alabama A&M game was a coin flip. I, I was really had some trepidation on my pick there. I never thought in for a second about Kentucky Georgia. I, I just don't think it. I mean, Devin Leary has just been pedestrian. Now maybe he wakes up Saturday in Athens and has a phenomenal game on the road, but I just don't see it. Now, it probably is probably ugly. And I went Arkansas just because of the fact that like you know, are they really going to lose five in a row? Like, because I I think next week against Alabama is a loss. So I mean, if they're yes, gonna, they will. <laughs> if they're going to get one, it's going to be this week. Um, uh, it, you know, hey, it, it kind of. I just is. don't. I just don't think they can score. I know they were in a shootout with with LSU, but I think we know we all understand now how bad LSU is defensively. They'll have to win a shootout at Missouri, but I think LSU will because they're just more athletes. I just don't know that Arkansas can score um, uh, enough with, with Ole Miss because I just don't think their defense there. Here's what's interesting. Look at those games. And out of those games, tell me, who do you like? Which team do you like that uh, about their quarterback? Which one of those teams, you go, know, yeah, quarterback play is going to be the difference there. I guess LSU would be LSU the one, right? And Ole yeah. Miss. I mean, if you're going to go – if you're going to go uh, from that – even though I took Arkansas, I would tell you you should feel good about Jackson Dart. Yeah, Jackson Dart over KJ Jefferson because KJ Jefferson's been, eh, you know, at best, right, Paul? Yeah, I, I would say I think that's fair. Although against uh, Arkansas is not Alabama, but Dart he he was not he was a big reason they didn't beat Alabama. Um, sure. Beck over O'Leary, but I don't think it's just Beck over O'Leary. I think is a lot of that is supporting cast. You know, if you take Brock Bowers and put him on Kentucky, O'Leary's probably going to look a lot better too. Uh, Florida. I didn't, know, I didn't know Kentucky had an Irish quarterback. <laughs> it's Larry. It's what is it? we, <laughs> Hey, if we're doing an end of podcast like they like they do on Pardon the Interruption or whatever that show was, where they they talk about all the errors at the end. Oh uh, yeah. I mean, I mean AP I, I, keep count. I feel pretty good about where I'm at because Paul's had Cade Mays playing. Oh he's gosh, got, he's got Mil, he's got Milroy playing Milroy. for Alabama. <laughs> Oh my gosh! He's, been been a, he's been got the win. Irishman O'Leary playing for the Wildcats. Uh, <laughs> I, I try to prepare for this. I'm trying to do my best here. Hey, hey! With all the mistakes, is, is that an indictment on the two gentlemen that this is you know that I'm leading? Is that an indictment on you guys? No, just, no. Look, I made one bad. I made one bad pick in Jerry's world. And Auburn screwed me three weeks ago against Cal. And, and that's why I'm not in the league. Still talking about that. He texts Wilcox every, still every, mad. every Tuesday Wilcox. or Wednesday. He's texting Wilcox. I'm still mad at you. All right. Let's give Paul a call today. Wyatt Insurance Services. If you're wanting to talk about your insurance, upgrade your insurance, give him a call today, 865 862-3997. For Brent Hubs and Paulo Fordenberry, I'm Austin Price, <laughs> the Ball with the Beast podcast. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. 
Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.